listen for God's word, ready to proclaim. Let us join together in prayer. Prepare our hearts for God to accept the word. It's Psalm 32. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord gives no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Where I let that silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the human suffering. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of my water shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you, uh, you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy. All you upright in heart, the word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let us listen for God's word speaking to us this day. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was banished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, God will command the angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only the Holy One. Then the devil left him, and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Lent. It is such a short word, but for some it just feels really, really heavy, right? For some it still feels kind of new, but for those who grew up in Catholic households or in strong Catholic communities, that word Lent conjures up memories of the Stations of the Cross, self-denial, or to the surprise, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> As I have said, I did not grow up in the church, but went with my neighbors to Catholic Mass a lot. And in the season of Lent, you could always smell that to the surprise, absolutely, <laughs> up and down the street. And I was grateful that I was not a church person. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure why Lent feels so heavy. Maybe it's the deep purple pyramids that we wear and have in worship. But if I think about it, we also see purple in Advent, which is quite hopeful and joyous. Maybe it's all the talk of repentance that we get. But again, we talk about repentance a lot in Advent to prepare for the birth of the Christ child. So maybe it's the tone of worship. You'll notice that during Lent, we don't say, <laughs> none of that during Lent. And the biblical themes that we encounter move us along the road to those crowds that will eventually be looking for to help Jesus enter Jerusalem. Those same crowds that turn into jeering cheers as Jesus makes his way to the cross. So in Lent, we're headed towards Calvary. In Advent, when we see the same colors, we're headed towards a manger and a baby. To be fair, Lent was not intended to be a time for Christians to hear all of the bad news that precedes the good news of Easter. It is intended to be a time of grace when the people of God reflect on their mortality and their sin, but also upon the creative and redemptive power of God. Lent is to be a time which inspires disciples to rededicate themselves to the way, the truth, and the life that we find in Christ. I was always taught that Lent comes from the same word, the same root of the word for Lent, and refers to the lengthening days of spring. So as from now until Easter, we'll get more and more sun. If you're like me, we already have flowers coming up in our yard, which we think will be killed by snow. But <laughs> Lent, Lent, we're getting more and more hope as we approach Easter. But many now believe that Lent probably derives from the same word, derived from the word Latare, which means to bend. So think about that. Lent is a time to bend our minds, our wills, our very selves to the way of Christ in the world once again. Lent, to lengthen, or Lent, 
to bend. To bend the faith in ourselves that have separated us, separated us from God and one another. To bend into the love and grace of God at work in our lives. Lent is a human construct. It's not a thing that you will see in the Bible. You don't hear Paul talking about it. It's the season of Lent. Prepare. Give up. So where did Lent come from? Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my preaching goddesses I love her, probably shouldn't say goddess. Barbara Brown Taylor gives a wonderful description of how Lent came to be. She says, for many years after Jesus ascended into heaven, his followers lived as if he was returning tomorrow. They were always looking, always waiting for him to come back. But time passed, and then more time passed, and that cloud that carried Jesus away did not come back. Jesus did not show up. He did not make that return trip as quickly as all of those disciples thought that he would. So in that time, the church folks decided that there really was probably no contradiction between being comfortable and being Christian. And before long, it was hard to pick the Christians out from among the population at large. They no longer distinguished themselves by their bold love for one another. They did not get arrested for advocating for the poor. The Christians blended in. They avoided the extremes. They decided to be nice instead of being holy. After too many years had passed, the church realized it had wandered down the wrong on its journey of faithfulness. So the church had to dig deep into their faith story to help them recover who they were and what they were called to be in the world. They had to clear the dust off of their biblical stories so that they could open their eyes to what they were supposed to be. And when they did that, they discovered that the people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years that Moses sat with God for 40 days and 40 nights. And finally, Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days. So there was 40. The church announced a season of Lent, 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter. Sundays don't count in that. Sundays are many Easter's. So 40 days, a time for Christians to bend ourselves once again to the will of God. A season, as Taylor says, to cleanse the system, to open the eyes to what remains when all comfort is gone. To remember what it is like to live by the grace of God alone and not by what we can supply ourselves. During Lent, the church encouraged people to adopt 40 days of discipline, 40 days of fasting, 
of almsgiving and prayer. Prayer was for healing the soul. Fasting was for healing the body. Almsgiving was for sharing, which heals the community. Forty days of discipline to take care of mind, spirit, and relationship. So here on the first Sunday of Lent, our biblical narrative places us with Jesus out in the desert after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, healing our bodies as we prepare for the journey ahead. Where this story falls in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus had just been baptized. And from those banks on the Jordan River, we are led by the Spirit out into the barren desert to fast and pray. Concerning this passage, a noted preacher Fred Craddock writes, This account directly spoke and speaks to a church whose own faithfulness is forged again and again in the desert. In other words, members of the early church understood what it was to find themselves in the desert and understood the nature of temptation that happens there. Do you think Rocky River knows what it's like to be in the desert? to be out in nothingness, in the great beauty that the desert has to offer, but also out of the harsh elements, the heat, the aridness, the longing. Do we know what it means to be in the desert and to be tempted? My best guess is yes. Yes, we know what it is to be in the desert. We know what it is to be tempted. We, we know all too well what it means to be in the dry places of life. What it means to feel parched, yearning for something more, for something new, for the newness that comes from God. We know what it means to experience those deep, dark nights of the soul when all feels lost and alone. We know what it means to lose perspective and hope. And at the same time, at the same time, we know what it means to feel desire to be comfortable. To feel the desire to be accepted. To go along with the crowd. To blend in and be nice. Instead of being holy. Instead of living more fully and passionately into who we have been called to be. We can't help but know this tension. Because we are people who have a deep passion for justice. We are people with a deep passion for righteousness. But we live in a society and increasingly in a world 
that encourages our own self-indulgence. In a world that wants us to focus on ourselves, to treat ourselves, to pamper ourselves. We live in a world that tells us we deserve the best and you should expect nothing less. That is exactly what the tempter was doing with Jesus in today's passage. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. In other words, if you are the Son of God, why are you out here in nothingness, in the middle of the desert, hot and tired and famished? You are the Son of God. You are special. You deserve nothing less than the best. The devil in this text, and we all have personal feelings about what the devil looks like, but we'll leave that for another day. When the interim's The devil in this text uses his words to tempt Jesus to be less than God calls him to be. The devil in this text, the devil in our lives, tempts us to be less than God calls us to be. But Jesus knew better. Jesus knows better. And Jesus responded with words to the speeches of Moses found in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, Moses reminds God's children that they are called to live as a covenant To remember that life comes in knowing who you are and whose you are. The tempters in our lives urge us to be less than God calls us to be. They urge us to squabble with one another. They urge us to forget the joy we have in loving and serving our God. They urge us to focus on our own needs and our own desires instead of the needs and desires of the community and all of God's children everywhere. The tempters in our lives tell us that we are special. And all of those blessings are for us. And we should enjoy every single one. But in these grace-filled days of Lent, as we walk and make our way towards the crowds that will wave their palm fronds and celebrate Jesus' arrival, that turning with those crowds, that jeer and make fun of Christ as he's dying on the cross. In these days of Lent, may our minds, our wills, our very selves be bent toward the ways of Christ in the world. May we remember who we are and whose we are so that the blessings we enjoy that God has so richly given 
not only make our lives unmovable, but that they might flow through us out into the world to become a blessing for all people everywhere. That a world that is living in a parched and dry place may experience the bounty, may experience the loving, flowing rivers of God's justice and God's peace and God's love flowing through their lives. In these days of Lent, may we remember that we have been blessed not for our own purposes, but for the purposes of God and work in the world. May we remember that we have been blessed to be a blessing in these desert times.